This is Sophia. She has the uncanny ability to change who she is. At church, she is the most loving wife and caring mother. At the store, she can get away with anything. And when she goes out, she knows how to have fun. Unfortunately for Sophia, she can only change who she is in every way, except her appearance. So we're going to talk about integrity today as we begin a brand new series. But before we get into that, a couple of quick things i got to make mention of that you need to know about. One is we are hosting Lecrae here in the house. Yeah, some Lecrae fans. And if you want to get tickets, go to itickets.com and purchase your tickets, okay? Second thing is this. Fun Fest is just a couple of weeks away. Some of you are waiting until the last second to get your tickets. We are almost sold out of the Fun Fest. Fest tickets are only $5, and this is an event. Listen to me, friends. We don't do Fun Fest around here just to do Fun Fest. That, that is not the purpose. It's not to bring Bluey and Bingo out so your kid can get a picture of them with them. There's a bigger purpose to this. It's to invite your friends and your family who don't attend our church to come and see for themselves how incredible this body of believers is, and, and maybe they would understand how much God loves them, how much Jesus died for them. This is a great event to invite those folks too, and I know you're not cheap. That's one thing I know about you. So you buy tickets for them as well. They're only $5 per person, and we're going to give our kids all kinds of fun things. Everybody's going to leave with a bag of candy. It's going to be a great time, and the only place to get your tickets is right outside in the foyer. There's a place for us to get our tickets to purchase those. You're going to get a wristband. That's your ticket to come back in. Somebody asked me the other day, if I lose my wristband, can I still come in? I said, if you lose a Taylor Swift ticket to go to her concert. Do you think they're going to let you in? That is your ticket. Don't lose your wristband. Now, if we still have tickets available, we will sell them at the door. But don't wait for that moment, friends, because I got a feeling with the, the number of tickets we have left that we're going to be selling out many of these evenings very, very shortly. So make sure you get your tickets uh, today. Third thing I got to make mention of is this past week, I was in Kansas City. I saw the King. The City Chiefs defeat the Denver Donkeys. That's what I saw. I was live. I was in person. And two days before that phenomenal event, my oldest daughter, Mackenzie, gave birth to our second grandchild, a little girl. This is her right there. Her name is Emma Christine, and we are so excited to have her be a part of our family. So it's been a chaotic weekend. So let's just stand together for closing prayer because I didn't prepare anything. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm just kidding. I got stuff to share, okay? I, I do. Um, let me say one more thing before we get in the message because I want to have a time of prayer. Obviously, the things that are happening in the Middle East, 
especially the things that are happening with Israel right now, have broken your heart as they've broken mine. And the atrocities, the terrible things that we have seen uh, these terrorists do to these people, uh, the slaughter that took place at that concert. I I know that it broke your heart just as it broke my heart. Uh, Somebody asked me, they said, what does this have to do with end-time prophecy? Well, there's a whole lot that it has to do with end-time prophecy. What I tell people all the time is live your life as if today would be your last because one day you're going to be right. Jesus is going to crack open the sky. He's going to take us to be with us. And, and one of these days, I'll get around to telling you all about the things that are happening when prophecy, so you can see. But just know this, what's happening in the news right now happened, was spoken about in the Bible years and years, thousands of years ago. So if you're not right with God, get right with God. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're not walking with him, talking with him, doing life together with him, you are making a huge mistake. Jesus could come in the blink of an eye like a thief in the night. You just don't have any guarantees of tomorrow. So get your life right with God today. So let's pray for the people of Israel right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that what you saw and what you're seeing happening in the Middle East breaks your absolute heart. Lord, there are people who are suffering terribly and they are hiding Lord, I have friends in Tel Aviv that are in bomb shelters right now, hiding with other families, afraid for their next breath, not knowing what's going to happen. Lord, you're sovereign. You're almighty God. And I know that you're going to bring about what you want to bring about in this situation. I know that you can bring something beautiful out of something that's so awful, so terrible. So, Lord, we don't really know what to pray other than your will be done. Your good, pleasing, and perfect will be done. Lord, I pray for anyone who doesn't have a relationship with you, who's been playing games with you, that this would be their wake-up call, that they would begin to realize that the things that are unfolding right now were written about thousands of years earlier in your scripture as a warning to us, Lord, that when we see these things, that you're coming soon. And so, Lord, I pray that we would sober up, that we would get our lives right with you, Lord, we just pray for your hedge of protection to be over Israel and over the people. And Lord, again, we pray for your will to be done. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, today we are beginning a brand new series called Stuck Between a Rock and a Hard Place. And we are going to talk about integrity. And as you just saw in that video, that woman didn't have a whole lot of integrity. And when we watched that, it kind of bothered us, didn't it? Because we appreciate people who have great integrity, people who say what they're going to do and then they follow through and they actually do it. We really don't appreciate people who say one thing and then they live their life for the complete opposite. Uh, Chuck Swindoll tells the story about a guy and a gal who went going on a date to a picnic and they stopped off at a, a chicken restaurant to get a bucket of chicken. I'm guessing it was KFC. And so they get their bucket of chicken and they, they drive over to where they're going to have their picnic and they open the bucket up and there before their eyes is $800 worth of cash and checks. I guess the kid who was working the cash register that day was putting all the proceeds in this bucket of chicken in the chaos and confusion gave the wrong bucket. 
Well, the man knew that this wasn't right. The woman knew that this wasn't right. And so they began to say, we got to take this money back. So they drove back and you can imagine how relieved the manager must have been. He said, I cannot believe how honest you people are. You are such people of integrity. He said, before you go, let me call the newspaper. I want to get your picture in the newspaper so everybody knows what honest people you are, what people of character and integrity that you are. And the man said, no, 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 that's not necessary. And the manager says, no, 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 I insist. I can get the paper over here almost immediately. And that's when the man whispered to the manager and said, the woman that I'm with is married to another man. You see, that's, that's not good, is it? It's hard to find integrity, isn't it? Hard to find it even on a golf course. Uh, Bob and John were, were good friends, been friends for years and years and years, and now they were playing for the club championship, and they were so excited, and they, they got to the end of the 17th hole, and they were both were tied up. So they're getting ready to tee off on the 18th hole. Bob gets up there first, does a blistering drive right down the center of the fairway, goes about 250 yards. Well, John, not to be outdone, he puts his ball down. He blisters one too, but he shanks it over into the woods. Well, Bob says, listen, John, I'll go with you. I'll help you find your ball. We've been friends all these years. So they go over there and they look around for a good 10 minutes. They can't find the ball. John finally turns to Bob and says, listen, I, I think you should go ahead and take your second shot. I'll go about 10 more minutes. If I can't find my ball, I'll just tee off once again, take the penalty stroke. Bob said, that sounds like a plan. So Bob went over. He hits his next shot, goes about 10 yards away from the cup. That's when he heard his friend John say, I found it. And then there was this beautiful shot that came out of the woods and the ball hit the green and rolled all the way up to the cup about three inches away. Now Bob finds himself with a dilemma. Does he pull John's ball out of his pocket that he took minutes earlier and call John the liar that he is? Or does he keep his mouth shut? Integrity is hard to find. Let, let me give you a good working definition of integrity. Integrity is the quality or state of being complete or undivided or incorruptible. A person with integrity is someone who does not allow their life to be compartmentalized. I remember years ago when my youngest daughter, Cammie, we were sitting at the dinner table, we were having a nice meal, and I wanted her to eat her green beans. She ate everything else on her plate, she didn't want to eat her green beans. I said, you need to eat your green beans and get some vegetables inside your little body. And I'll never forget what she said. She said, Dad, I am stuffed. I am full. I can't eat another bite. Well, I knew that my wife had made a chocolate pie. And so I thought, well, this is my opportunity to show her maybe she's not as stuffed as she thinks she is. So I walked over to the refrigerator, opened up, pulled out the chocolate pie, and I said, well, Cammie, that's too bad that you're stuffed. I guess I'll enjoy this chocolate pie all by myself. And that's when that little sinner looked at me and said, well, my vegetable side of my stomach is full, but my dessert side is completely... She came up with that in a second. You understand what a sinner she is? Isn't that what we do, though? We say, well, this is my social life, and it doesn't have anything to do with my spiritual life. Or this is the way I treat people at work, and this is the way I treat people at home, and this is how I act over here at church. And we try to compartmentalize. We try to divide our life to where we become one person over here, a different person over there, and still another person over here. And friends, that, that shows a lack of character. It shows a lack of integrity. I like the way one author put it. 
He said, we should be the same person whether we're holding a communion cup or we're holding a remote control in our hands. We're to be the same person whether we find ourselves 500 miles away in a hotel room by ourselves or in the front room with the rest of our family. We're to be the same person who reads the Bible and the same person who looks at the different images and pictures and videos that we see on our phone. You see, friends, you can't compartmentalize your life because all you got is life. Well, we're starting this series. It's all on the book of Daniel. We're going to do this first six chapters of the book of Daniel. And Daniel is this guy who has extraordinary integrity. He's one of the rare people in Scripture who starts strong and he finishes strong. Now, that's very, very rare in Scripture. In fact, that's very, very rare in life, isn't it? A person who starts strong in their relationship with Christ and then goes all the way through their life and they finish strong. So we, we couldn't say that about Noah, could we? Noah started strong. He was the only righteous man during his time. That's a strong start, isn't it? And then he builds the ark. That's strong as well. The animals come. God shuts the ark up. For over a year, he's floating on the water. And then what's he do? Towards the end of his life, he gets off that ark. He, he makes some grapes. He harvests some grapes. He ferments the grapes. He gets drunk and he gets naked. Poor ending for Noah. Same is true about Abraham. Abraham started pretty good. But he faltered pretty quickly, didn't he? God said, if you follow me and, and go where I tell you to go, I'll make you the father of a great nation. Well, Abraham's old. How can he be a father of a great nation? His wife is well beyond the childbearing years. But he says, I'm going to trust God. So he follows God. And the first town he goes into in Egypt, he's fearful that they're going to kill him because his wife is so beautiful. And so what does he do? He sells his wife. He trades his wife for some cattle. That's not good right there. You understand that? That's not someone who starts strong and finishes strong when you're selling your wife for a cow. Let me give you another one. Moses started strong, right? But then one day he goes off and he sees an Egyptian taskmaster being a Hebrew slave. He gets so angry that he kills the Egyptian taskmaster. Let me, let me tell you someone else who starts off strong but doesn't do very well in the end. David, you know, the man after God's own heart. Well, he starts off strong, doesn't he? He's a shepherd boy. He's fully devoted to the Lord. He runs out onto the battlefield because the battle belongs to the Lord. God raises him up. He becomes the king. Best king, greatest king Israel has ever had. What happened? Well, it was the time when kings were supposed to go off to war. But David didn't go off to war, did he? Found himself out in the patio, saw a woman who was bathing, found out who the woman was. Her name was Bathsheba. He had her brought to him. He slept with her. She got pregnant. And a man after God's own heart, a man full of integrity and character, in a single moment does something very, very stupid. Not only does he sleep with another uh, man's wife, but he has that man killed to cover up his sin. Daniel's one of those rare people out of over 400 people in the Bible. He's one of those handful of people who start strong and stay strong the entire way. So let, let me set this story up for you so you understand the context of how amazing this man is and what kind of integrity he had. Daniel is a teenager when King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, comes in and invades Judah. And what he does is he sets up a puppet government, he overtaxes the people, and then he takes the best and brightest talent that Israel has got, and he leads them back to Babylon where he can uh, indoctrinate them into the Babylonian way of life. 
So here's a young man, about 17, 18 years old when we start his story, and he's lost everything. Think about that. He's lost his home. He's lost his family. He's lost his culture. He's lost every possession. He's lost everything that was precious to him. Well, look at what happens here in chapter one. It says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put them in the treasury house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. All right, so chapter one doesn't seem like this big of a deal. We, we, we got Daniel, he's, he's in the king's service, he's in this area where he's being indoctrinated or they're trying to indoctrinate him. And he's being told to eat food that was prepared at the king's table that was offered or sacrificed to the Babylonian false gods. And here in the very beginning, we see that Daniel refuses to eat this food. Now, you do understand what Nebuchadnezzar is trying to do because everything Nebuchadnezzar does, there's a reason behind what he does. He wants him to make a small compromise towards his God. He wants him, think about this, to forget about his commitment to the one true God. He wants him to compromise his conviction. You know what I found to be true about integrity? And I think all of us can say this is true because we've all fallen into it. It always starts small, doesn't it, when you compromise it? I mean, it's rare that it's the big thing that happens, you know. It's the small little steps that lead us to the destination that destroys our life. It's the words that we hear in our brain that tell us it's not that big of a deal. Because we're looking at this passage, we're saying, well, what's the big deal, Daniel? I mean, it's just a little bit of food, just a little bit of wine. And Daniel says, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. I abide by the Levitical law. I only partake of things that are kosher, that are holy before God. I'm not going to do anything to disrespect or disappoint God. How many times has your mind told you it's just one little white lie? And so you make the small compromise and you tell it. Or it's just a small little piece of gossip. It's not that big of a deal. How many, many times have you said it's just one kiss? It's just one drink. It's just one night. No one's ever going to know. No one's going to be hurt. Have you ever heard those whispers? Because I have. It always starts with a thought, doesn't it? Every sin you and I have ever committed, every compromise we've ever done, it always started with a thought. And what do we do with that thought? Rather than removing that thought and saying, oh no, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to put that. I'm not going to entertain that. No, no, no. We fixate on that thought. And we think about that thought. Then we imagine ourselves. We can see ourselves. We envision ourselves doing that thought. And then we begin to desire it. 
We, we place ourselves in positions to compromise. We place ourselves in position where we can be the weakest. And then we say things like, well, it's not my fault. If I hadn't have been in this situation or if that hadn't happened, you put yourself in that situation. You put yourself in the place where you could give in to the most. You thought about it. You imagined it. You desired it. So in the words of Nike, what's left to do but to just do it? Friends, there were four things about Daniel that were different about him. Four things that held his character intact. If we all will do these four things, we'll have incredible integrity as well. You ready? Write these down as we're going. Number one is this, is he thought differently. Gosh, when, you, when, you, when you're getting ready to blow it, when you're getting ready to compromise, what are you thinking about? i tell you what most people think about. They think about the sin. They think about the pleasure. They think about the moment. And they always, always make it better than it actually is going to be. But that's what we do. We, we think about the sin. We think about placing ourselves in that position. Not Daniel. What did Daniel think about? He just thought about God. Daniel said, I won't do this. I won't break the heart of God. Friends, can you imagine if you're entertaining some thought and then that thought goes to the cross of Jesus Christ and you say to yourself, I will not go that direction because that would be crucifying Jesus all over again. Because it's your sin and it's my sin that crucified him. So Daniel's like, I, I, I don't want to disappoint the Lord. I, I don't want to do anything that, that would be disrespectful of him. I don't want to break the heart of God. But that's not all that he was thinking about. He was also thinking about all the other young men that were taken captive who had the same temptation to eat of this food as he did. I think he thought about his influence. That if he gave in to this, if he did this, even this small compromise, what would that say to everybody else? You see, here's the thing. Here's the key if you want to keep your integrity. You have to make up your mind about things in advance. So let me ask you a question. Have you made your mind up about anything? Because my guess is that every one of us here in this room and at home, you've made your mind up about a few things, all right? Let's just play along with the pastor. Multi-sites, you play along as well. We're just going to raise our hands if we've made up our mind about anything. I'm going to give you different categories, all right? How many of you have made up your mind about murder? You're not going to kill anybody. Just raise your head up real high. If you've made up your mind, you're pretty certain that the course of your life, okay, anyone's hands not up right now, be aware of who they are. Because they are entertaining some very dark thoughts in this moment, okay? All right, just play along with the pastor. How many would say by the raise of hands that stealing is off the table for you? You're not going to steal. You're not going to go ransack somebody's business. You're not going to shoplift either. Okay, that's, 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 that's very, very good. All right, this, this is for all the married folks. Uh, how many would say you've taken off the table adultery? You're never going to cheat on your... If you're married, get your hand up right now. Get up. Help me help you right now in this moment in time. I saw some women put their husband's hand up and you get that up. Tell you what. All right, this is for the single folks. How many of you have made up your mind about purity? You're, you're going to remain pure till you get married. Put your head up real high. Yeah, not as many hands up for that one, is there? I tell you what. But for those of you who are, way to go. Yeah, let's hear it for them. That's great. Twelve of us are very excited for you. How about this one, last one? How many of you made up your mind about lying? You're never going to lie ever again. Put your hand up real high. Let me see you. Yeah, how many are lying right now with your hand up? That's a curiosity. You're doing that. Do you have certain lines you won't cross? 
certain things you won't do? Have you made up your mind about truthfulness, about honesty? Or is that a line that you're willing to cross? Have you made up your mind about gossip? Have you made up your mind about purity? Have you made up your mind about who you're going to date? Have have you made up your mind that you're not going to date someone who doesn't love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength? You see, because if you haven't made up your mind, can I tell you what's going to happen to you? You're going to compromise. You're going to settle for less than God's best. And you're going to end up with someone who doesn't have the same love, the same lifestyle, the same loyalty as you. Because you simply didn't make up your mind about the most important things in your life. So where, where is it for you? Where do you say, you know, I've made up my mind. I'm never crossing this line. I'm never giving in to this. Because let me tell you something. For everyone who hasn't figured these things out, they're going to cross the line. And then they're going to get to the other side. Let me tell you what's going to happen. They're going to get to the other side and they're going to say, what in the world? What was I thinking? I think it's safe to say you weren't thinking at all because you didn't make up your mind. Daniel thought differently. He says, I will not do this to God. I will not disappoint God. I will not break the heart of God. I will not lose my integrity. I will not lose my influence. He made up his mind. Let me tell you a second thing about this guy's integrity. He had studied the scriptures and he wanted to do what God wanted for his life. Daniel's convictions were not rooted in public opinion that's here today and gone tomorrow. It wasn't rooted in what society says or what culture says. His convictions were rooted into the very word of God. He knew what God's word said, so guess what? He lived out God's word. He didn't manipulate God's word. He didn't twist God's word. He didn't justify God's word to fit his little pleasure situation that he wanted to go. No, he knew what God wanted for him and he was obedient. He did what God wanted him to do. Friends, do you know the word of God? Do you live out the word of God? And when God tells you to do something, do you do it? Are you obedient to what he's called you to do? Because whatever you're ignoring, whatever you're rationalizing, whatever you're justifying, that's going to be your downfall. That's when you're going to end up playing the part of the fool. Take it from someone who knows. This next week, you're going to find yourself with all kinds of situations, all kinds of decisions. I've written down for you five questions that you should ask yourself if you're not certain what your next move is going to be. And if you'll live out these five questions, if you'll ask yourself these five questions, I'm telling you right now, you'll live a life of integrity. Because there's no way if you answer these questions correctly that you'll ever compromise, you'll ever become less than than what God wants you to be. Here's the five questions. We'll put them up on the screen so you can see them. Go ahead and take a picture of them, all right? Just go ahead and take a picture. I can walk over if you want to get my my face in the picture. I could do that for you. Just messing around. Nobody wants that. Number one, does the Bible say this is wrong? There's a little section in the back of your Bible called a concordance. So you don't know what to do about this situation. or that's It's topical. You look up the word, and, and then you look up the scriptures, and then you know exactly what God wants you to do. And then the question is going to be, will you do it? How about this one? Would I be embarrassed to be doing this when Jesus returns? How about this one? Can I do this with a clear conscience, knowing that God's Holy Spirit lives in me? The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. Do you think the Holy Spirit of God wants you to put that stuff or be in that situation or compromise in that way? 
How about number four? Will this decision affect others in a negative way? Because whenever we compromise, whenever we become less than, it wounds somebody else, doesn't it? And then number five, is this something that Jesus would have done? Can you see Jesus doing this? Would Jesus go to this? Would Jesus be in that relationship? Would Jesus say that? Would Jesus have that kind of an attitude? Do you see how valuable those five questions are? Everything rooted in Scripture. What would Jesus do? See, that's, that's, that's just rarely on our mind, isn't it? Let me give the third thing Daniel got right. He shared his convictions publicly. He told the chief official, I'm not doing it. But he wasn't arrogant about it. He wasn't condescending. He was respectful. He said, you need to understand something. My loyalty to my God means more to me than anything else. So I will not compromise in this way. I will not eat this food. And what was interesting is that the chief official listened to what Daniel had to say. Can I let you know a little secret that shouldn't be a secret at all? When you make your convictions known, for the most part, people respect you for it. As long as you follow through with action to that conviction. So what you need to do is you need to state your convictions up front so everybody knows where you stand so they don't try to put you in a position of compromise to make you end up being less than than what God made you to be. So let's play this out in our, in our job. Some of you are business people and you travel from place to place to place and so you put your hours in then at night it's time to go out to eat, it's time to go to the hotel afterwards. Well, you got other business partners that you're doing this with. What if you shared your convictions up front? What if you said, you know what, I know some of you guys want to go to this place or do this or engage in this behavior. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to be doing those things. So you guys can go and do those if you want to and have a great time, but I won't be a part of that. You know, I found to be true is that people will respect that. They won't try to manipulate you or put you in an awkward situation. I remember years ago, I was teaching at one of our rallies that we have for teenagers, and I was talking about the fact that every guy and girl needed to share on the very first date what their standards were for dating. And I remember there was a kid sitting right there on that front row. And I'm saying, listen, first thing you need to do when you get in that car is say, listen, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I just want you to know we're not going to kiss. We're not going to hold hands. We're not going to do that physical stuff. We're just going to get to know each other better. We're just going to date and, and become friends with each other. And we're not going to do any of that other stuff because I'm not going to disappoint God. And I remember that kid sitting right there, that little sinner on the front row, shaking his head like I was the craziest person he'd ever heard in his entire life. I've often wondered what happened to that kid. I don't know. But I can tell you this, he had no intention of leaving someone else in better shape than the way they found him. He was in it for what he could get off of somebody else, not for what he could give to somebody else. Can you imagine in this day and age of dating that you take somebody and they, they ask you out or you go out with someone and the first thing you say is, listen, I just want you to know I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. This is just about building a friendship that the possibility that maybe, you know, months from now, a year from now, whatever, that maybe God would intertwine our souls to such a degree that we would want to get married to each other. Now, I can tell you what's going to happen. You do this, those people who are trying to get something off of you, who want to bed you down, they won't be around next, for the next date. And that's a good thing. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to sift the wheat from the chaff. You're trying to find the best that God has for you. And stating your convictions up front will do that. 
It will help you hold on to your integrity so you don't wound the very heart of God and disappoint him. Let me give you the fourth thing. This is hard stuff, isn't it? Daniel trusted God even though nothing in his life was working out the way he thought it was going to work out. Listen, Daniel didn't understand why he had been taken captive. He didn't understand why God didn't hold this back. He didn't understand out of all the people who were taken to go back to Babylon, why was he one of them? And I'm certain in his mind he had to have thought, don't you think, that God had forgotten him? That God didn't care about him? I mean, come on, Daniel. Look, God hadn't come through for you at all. It's just a little bit of food, just a little bit of wine. He won't do it. Even when nothing in his world makes any sense. Even when everything is falling down around him. He keeps holding on to God. And that's when you find that God is faithful. Daniel said to the guard of the chief officer who'd appoint him, said, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. That's a pretty big risk, don't you think? 10 days isn't a lot of time. But at the end of only 10 days, there is a difference in the appearance and the muscular structure of these men compared to the other ones who were eating from the king's table. Now, what does this tell us, friends? Here's it is. If you honor God, he'll honor you. Let me say that again. If you honor God, he will honor you. And as a result of Daniel's faithfulness, guess what? He's entered into the king's service. The Bible says in matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found these men 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. So what was happening in this whole story? God was testing Daniel. Will you do what I ask you to do? Will you follow through? Even when I put you between a rock and a hard place, will you hold on to your integrity and will you hold on to me? And because Daniel was found faithful in this moment, guess what? He was brought up to a royal position. So let me leave you with this thought. What is an area of your life that you could trust God for in the next 10 days? Next 10 days, you say, this is what I'm gonna be about. This is what I'm gonna do for 10 days. I'm not asking for a 30-day commitment. I'm asking for a year. I'm asking for 10 days. Maybe you make a commitment that you wouldn't miss reading your Bible for 10 days. Or or maybe the the commitment is that you're you're not gonna drink alcohol or smoke the weed for the next 10 days and just see what God might do in and through your life. Maybe it would be, you know, you need to up your prayer game a bit. And so, you know, for the next 10 days, I'm going to pray for 10 minutes a day. What would it be? For the next 10 days, I'm going to serve my spouse like I've never served him before. I'm going to be the person that God wants me to be. The area of your life that you're you know, kind of compromising about. You're kind of thinking about going the wrong direction. For the next 10 days, I'm going to be faithful. For the next 10 days, I'm going to be committed. For the next 10 days, I'm going to think differently. 
So for those at home, you'll have to play along with the piece of paper that you get yourself. But here in the room, what we've got is some cards that we gave you on the way in. And basically it says, you know what, for the next 10 days, this is what I want to trust God with. This is what I want to be about. This is the change that I want to happen in my life. And this is what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a chance to fill out what that would be. And then the band's going to come out after I pray, and we're going to sing a song. And you have the opportunity to lay all these cards on the altar and say, because I think that's a spiritual act of worship, don't you? To lay that down as a person of integrity. You're making a promise to God. You're making a commitment to God. For the next 10 days, this is what I'm going to be about. And then when we're done in just a few minutes and we're heading out the doors, you're going to get another card. And the other card has the same exact writing on the top. And then you write down what you're going to do for the next 10 days. And then it has a check mark on each day. So as you lay these cards as your commitment, you'll leave with a second card, which will reemphasize the commitment that you've made to the Lord. So you can put that in your wallet, your purse. You can put it someplace. And for the next 10 days, you can be one step closer to being the person that God wants you to be. Boy, I hope and pray that you'll take this challenge. Pray with me now. Dear Heavenly Father, what have we been holding on to? What do we need to move forward in our faith with? What do we need to surrender? What do we need to give up for the next 10 days? My goodness, I know it's not a lot of time, but you can do miracles in 10 days. You can move mountains in 10 days. We can see victory after 10 days. So, Lord, lay on our heart what it might be. Now, help us to be obedient to lay it down. To lay it down on this altar. And to trust you with something we've never trusted you with before. To try again. To be the person that you want us to be. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you're filling out your card, for some of you, what you need to do is you need to go to the first steps room as soon as this service is over and say, you know what? I don't need 10 days to figure this out. I want Jesus in my life. We've got counselors there available. They'd love to talk to you about any decision that you would like to make. Many of you need to get baptized. Go over to the first step room. Some of you need to get in a small group go to the first step room. You can also use the Sagebrush app. There's a decision tab. You can just click on that and just fill out that app. You can also call us or text us at 505-922-9200. I hope that you'll make a decision for Jesus Christ. I hope that you filled out that card. And I hope that when you come up here and you lay that request down at this table, on this altar, that you just say a little prayer and say, God, don't let me fail you for the next 10 days. G's gonna sing. Do we want him to stand? I could or not, we don't care. Let's have them stay seated. And then they can get up. Let's do that. I was gone all week, we didn't get a chance to talk about this. So as God lays it on your heart to bring your card down, even up in those stinking cheap seats, it'll cost you a few more calories, but it's worth it. Let's lay those cards down as G leads us in this worship time.
You're the treasure 